Welcome to my world, where my dad thinks of nothing but bluegrass, bluegrass, and bluegrass. Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to the podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit different than most of the ones that we've done so far in that I am going to actually be playing some little snippets of music for you to listen to here and there throughout the episode as little exercises. So anyway, the topic of this edition is how to listen. And you, you might say how to selectively listen or how to improve your overall listening skills. And I'm just going to tell you, I think that many of the problems which arise in playing good music arise from failing to develop good ears. And I don't mean, you know, your physical ears and, you know, their frequency ranges and how good your, your hearing is. I'm talking about how good your ability to focus on certain things at certain times, uh, how to exclude and filter out other things so that you can be aware of what all is going on around you and sometimes eliminate certain things around you. Now, I, I will say this about the tracks. Um, the first thing, it's a little disclaimer. This is, I, I dug around in some of my old master tapes from an album that we did with Pony Express. Just wanted to find a typical bluegrass song that, you know, I could um, demonstrate some of this stuff. So this is the song, One Car Funeral Procession. We uh, paid royalties on the song, on our CD when we were selling that CD. And I am just for you lawyers in the audience. I am claiming <clears throat> fair use rights on this for educational purposes. Um, but I'm going to use that song. And this was recorded in my home studio. We have a banjo, mandolin, guitar, fiddle, and bass, lead vocal, baritone vocal, and tenor. The, that's pretty much the standard bluegrass setup. So I'll come back to these tracks here and there, and I'm just going to do it on the fly. I've got um, the rig set up here, and I'll talk more about the tracks as we get to it. But the reason I, I want you to think about, you know, listening and how to listen. I, I have a good friend of mine, um, Patrick Owen, that I play with in a band uh, called the Pluck Tones. I'm their bass player right now. And uh, I've heard Pat say, you know, when we've been talking about it, you know, I really like playing with that guy, you know, this and that. And I heard him say one time, yeah, he's got really good ears. And, you know, I, I get what he's saying. Because if, if you can't, if, well, let me do it in the negative. Players who only listen to themselves, and let's say you're taking a solo. It's your turn to solo and you're looking down at your instrument and you're concentrating on what you're doing and you're mostly hearing yourself or trying to hear yourself. And you may actually even be trying to, you know, 
filter out everything else so that you can hear yourself. I know that's true in a lot of, you know, lousy jam sessions where you've got a, you know, a bunch of people in the room talking and carrying on in those situations, you know, a lot of people are having trouble hearing themselves. So in, in that shutting down and focusing on what they're doing, they may lose track. They will lose track of a lot of the other instruments and what they're doing. And, you know, in jam sessions where it's a mixed bunch and you've got good players and you've got not so good players and the balance is all weird based upon where you're positioned. So if you're a good ways away from the banjo player, that might be the perfect spot for you as a mandolin player. But like I always tend to do, I like to be right next to the bass player. Unless the bass player is not playing that well, and then I'll try to put myself in another spot. Because unlike in a in a recording studio or at a live gig, you know, the sound man can't turn the bass player up and down. Or, you know, a guitar player that's playing too loud you can't reach over there and turn him down. So it is a problem. So the better that you develop your, your filtering and ability to focus on the things that are going on a song in a song, the, the better you'll be able to play. And, you know, if everybody would do that, everybody would play better. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, we can't do anything about other people. We can work on things for ourselves. I would like you to think about if you've ever seen, I went to New York one time and there were these guys on the sidewalk doing the old three card Monty. You know, they got a little, they got a little table set up there and they got three playing cards and you got to keep track of where's the ace or it could be the queen or whatever. He's just got three cards and he turns them over. It's, you know, like a two, a three and an ace. And he's like, Keep your eye on the ace and he, he mixes them and mixes them and mixes them, and mix them. And then you put down your dollar. And if you pick, you know, you're trying to keep track, follow that ace. It's very, very confusing. And of course they let you win a few times and then they, you know, do their sleight of hand and you lose everything. That's how that works. But that following, you know, when the cards are face down and all the cards look alike, and you zero in on the ace in your mind, and you're trying to follow it throughout. That's a skill I want you to try to work on with listening to music. Whether you're just, you know, putting on a CD and listening to a band play, or whether you're performing or at a jam session. Um, another thing is, uh, picture this, um, picture a fish tank. I, I pity the guy like at, at the fish department when, you know, there's 75 goldfish swimming around in a tank and the little kid comes up and says, I want that one. And the guy's got the little net and he's trying to follow that one particular fish among all those fish that pretty much look the same. Now he might get the correct fish. I don't, I don't know if he's good. He will. And the kid will probably know because probably the kid has developed that ability to focus in on one single thing. You see this also in the way uh, predators hunt pack animals. Let's say a lion or a group of lions, but we'll just for this purpose say a lion is going after a, a, an antelope. 
and we've got a hundred antelope and the one lion and the lion is sneaking in and he begins observing everything she probably observing the antelope eventually selects one might be one that's limping a little bit might be one that's a little younger than the rest might be one that seems to be drifting away from the herd a little bit once that lion focuses on that single individual and begins its stalk and then its chase, it will not lose sight of that one goal. It's that single individual. It's that ability to concentrate and focus on just that one because they're running around all over the place. And if it starts going for the one nearest it'll be pulled off of the one it was after. And, you know, it gets really chaotic. And the other members of the herd, through their confusion, will distract the lion, or try to. And if they're successful in distracting the lion, the intended victim may get away. But if, if the lion can maintain its focus and just stay zeroed in on that one, on and on and on, eventually it's going to get that thing. Um, it's, it's also, if you've ever, for you hunters who have gone quail hunting or dove hunting or any kind of uh, bird hunting where a flock of birds goes by and I'm down here in the South where quail hunting has a long tradition and quail hang around in coveys groups. So there might be, you know, 15 birds in this covey. And the dog will point to the covey. He's not pointing. He might be pointing to an individual bird, but typically when you first find them, the covey is all hanging out together and they sense your presence and they're getting nervous. And the dog identifies them and points where they are. Well, when the covey flushes, that is, they all fly up at once. A beginner hunter might just shoot in amongst them, you know, and probably miss. But the old timers will advise the, you know, the not so skilled to what you've got to do is pick out just one bird. Try not to look at all of them. Just try to get on one single bird and you'll have a better chance. I, I can tell you this is not easy to do. You know, it's the same thing at skeet shooting when they do the doubles where they're throwing two clay pigeons at once. You don't shoot at both of them. You shoot at one, then the other. And you, so you've got to have the ability to, to focus on different things for certain types of activities. I would say that music benefits greatly from developing that ability in terms of your listening, which is hearing, you know, combined with f- focusing on that. You know, um, I did an article not too long ago in, in my free monthly newsletter, which you might want to sign up for. I'll put a link on the show notes page for this episode if you want to get that. I, I did an article about some exercises in listening, and that's sort of what I'm going to talk about here today. Um, so developing that ability to hear one thing among a chaotic 
lot of things going on, like a bluegrass band playing. You got five instruments going and sometimes toss in the crowd noise. Let's just assume we have the five members of the bluegrass band sitting in a room playing. Well, if you're a good bass player, you're listening to everything that's going on and you're listening to yourself. You're listening to the whole. But there might be times when you focus in on, let's say you're a fiddle player, and the lead singer begins to sing, and you're playing some backup. And you will be listening to the singer, and when he finishes his phrase, then you will carry on with a little fill lick. And then you'll hear him come back in, and you'll go back to long notes. So... The, a good fiddle player will be listening to the lead singer and working with him. But he also has to listen to himself. So we're, we're going to play around with some of these ideas. Um, in the newsletter, I said it's a good exercise to take your favorite bluegrass song, favorite bluegrass band, put the record on, CD or whatever, and listen to the whole song one time and... First of all, get yourself a, a pencil and paper and write down everything that you hear. I hear a banjo player, a mandolin player, a dobro, a fiddle, a guitar, whatever. And after you've done that, oh, also to include the vocal parts. I hear a lead vocal. I hear a tenor vocal. And I hear a baritone vocal. And you might hear a bass or whatever. Write down each individual item that's producing um, a part. Then go back and listen to it. Again, for, you know, listen to the entire song. And as you listen to the entire song, one of the things you will notice, if you think about it, is that you don't listen to everything all at once. You hear everything at once, but you tend to focus on one or two things at a time. And that's intentional. When, when the lead singer comes in singing the first verse, the performers or the record producer, engineer, they want you to hear the lead singer very well. They don't want you, you know, paying attention to, you know, the mandolin chop. They want you to feel it and hear the mandolin chop, but they don't want you to be drawn away and be listening to the chop while the guy's singing lead. So it's sort of like a spotlight. There is a, there is dim light over the whole band but there's a little spotlight on the lead singer and they're trying to pull you there by usually with volume controls. They've got him a little louder and they, the other thing's a little softer. So with amplitude or volume changes, you can make things stick out more. If I want people to hear the fiddle player, I could either turn up the fiddle player or turn down something else that's competing with the fiddle player it might be the whole band. And this whole art of mixing music. I mean, when you listen to an Alison Krauss record or something like that, you're and, and countless other great records, you're hearing this being put into practice. It's very subtle, but good performing bands do the very same thing. But what I'm trying to say to you is, you can't do that if you don't develop the skills of listening, hearing, focusing, and filtering. So the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to play this, this track 
or set of tracks. It's eight tracks, five instruments, <clears throat> the standard five, lead vocal, and uh, tenor and baritone. And I have just set the mix to where everything's kind of the same. And and because this podcast is mono, I have panned everything to one channel. So we don't have the benefits of stereo. Listening in stereo, which we do in the real world with our two ears, makes it easier to focus because you can concentrate a little more on directionally. And, you know, in a, in a three-dimensional sound world, it's easier to do the things that I'm challenging you to do with this. But what you're going to hear is mono. So that makes it even tougher. So the first thing we're going to do is hear a little bit of this track or this band chugging along on one car. And this is the time, you know, this is the whole, you might say. And I'm not claiming this is a good mix. I'm just, I just kind of turned everything up a little bit where you can hear everything. But as we go through this, at least try to, for a few notes, say, yeah, I hear a bass. Yeah, I hear a mandolin. I hear a guitar. I hear a banjo. I hear a fiddle. This is sort of uh, cataloging that. And I'm going to let it go through the first verse and the first chorus. So you can also hear the uh, the lead vocal and the tenor and the baritone. Again, I don't claim this is a good mix. It's just I want you to hear all of it simultaneously. So here we go. And of course I had it had it queued up in the wrong place. Let's try that again. Okay, that's enough of that for now, uh, to give you the general idea. So, one thing I noticed as I was listening to that is that when Buddy came in singing the lead, it wasn't prominent enough. Because, the you know, the fiddle kicked it off, and at that point he was playing pretty aggressively, and it was, you could hear him just fine. I would probably, you know, make pretty severe alterations to what you just heard. And I suppose a person could listen to the entire track, you know, the finished mix that we put out and hear what I ultimately did with it. But for these purposes, we've accomplished our first goal. We have successfully heard each individual thing. And I tell you, a lot of jam sessions you might go to, there are people who never hear certain things going on. And so those people really need to beef up those skills um, if you're, I'm, I, I know this because I have gone to jam sessions and played some really foul sounding stuff and it, nobody ever seems to notice. Well, some might, 
but I'm talking about as I'm learning to play the dobro and I've, I've hit some real clams and certain folks, it doesn't seem to phase at all. And I think it's because they don't hear it. They're busy doing what they're doing and they're focusing on what they're doing. Okay. So let's, let's move along here now. And uh, this is going to be, I'm going to go back and play the thing and I'm just going to one at a time turn things up and down so that you can, this would be a very radical, um, you can't listen like this. You can't only hear just the bass, but with this rig, a typical mixer setup, you can. So let's try, let me make sure I'm in the right place here. I think I am. Okay. So we're going to start out with everything. Then I'm going to kill everything but the bass. One, two, three, four, one, two, three. So there's old Randy playing the bass. And the next channel over is the lead, uh, lead vocal, so I'm going to leave that off. Here's switch the guitar. Then we have banjo on track four. Then we have me, no, that's Mikey on the fiddle. Oh, beautiful Mike. And here's me on the mandolin. So, get the bass back in there. And where all the people And we hear Buddy coming in with his lead vocal. I wouldn't call funeral procession Ain't my idea of a fitting in Okay, and I'm going to back it up just a little bit because I didn't get the tenor and the uh, baritone. Let's hear that. Yesterday, as I went walking, I saw a sight and it left me cold. I want cars, funeral procession. I'm at coming. Okay, here comes the baritone the and the tenor. And I thought about the man who lay with it. Just the two Where of them. All the people There's the tenor. Once called friend. There's the baritone. A one car funeral procession. Here's all three. Ain't my idea of a fitting end. And then that mantle break comes in. Okay, so you get the idea. In the studio or on live PA setups, a person can control the volume. You can also control the volume yourself in performing by how far away you are from the microphone and how loudly or softly you play. Okay. Now, let me suggest to you one of the ways to... Oh, back to uh, listening to that CD. You pull out your third time out CD and you put on your favorite song and you've made that list. Now I want you to go through and play the song the number of times that you have on the list. If there are five instruments and three vocal parts, I want you to listen to the song eight more times. And on the first pass through, listen to it start to finish and try to focus only on the bass. Try to actually hear everything the person did. It's hard because when the lead singer comes in and the fiddle comes in and you're going to be drawn towards that. And, and you should be, but for this exercise, I want you to try not to be pulled off of that, but stay on the one thing. And you do that through all of the items on your list. I'm not going to eat up all the time necessary to do that in this, because I would basically be playing the same track over and 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 asking you to sort it out in your mind and 
try to hear the mandolin in amongst all that. But you can back up and play the track I already did, the one that had everything. Or it'd be easier just to grab your favorite CD and play it, you know, the required 10 times and listen to one thing at a time. So that's a skill worth developing. Another way to approach this is to think of things in terms of pairs. And I've, I've often suggested to people that, they, that mandolin players not only listen to themselves, but also the bass player. And the bass player listen to the mandolin player. So let's, let's back up here. And let me make sure I'm at the start. It's been a few years since I put this together, and I don't remember what the markers mean. One, two. Okay, I found it now. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play a little bit of it with just bass and mandolin only. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Now, a lot of times when I'm playing mandolin, this is sort of what I hear in my head. I might hear a little of this. You get what I'm saying? I am, in order, in order to plant my chop where I want it, I need the, the time reference of the bass. Now, the reverse is true. The bass player, he can more successfully plant his downbeats if he can feel that offbeat. So a bass player and a mandolin player who work together very well can just drive a band. And uh, now let me back up and let's do, let's get into the lead vocal. Well, let's go to banjo and mandolin. Let's, let's say you're a banjo and mandolin. Let's just listen to those two. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing sometimes to hear these things in isolation because only the engineer listens to, you know, just this. Where is it? <laughs> I should have cued all this stuff. That's kind of weird sounding, isn't it? But that's how I was... I was chopping the mandolin on that particular song. So let's take the banjo and the mandolin together. And you'll notice that the banjo started chopping as soon as I came in with my lead break. in reverse. Um, as soon as I finished, I begin chopping, the banjo stops chopping and starts rolling. So sometimes listening to pairs of instruments, I'm not going to do the next one I, I, would, I had written down, which is listening to the lead vocalist alone with the fiddle. But if you can pull out pairs of things and see how they interact, that will build your listening skills. If, if you listen, when you hear a band like Third Time Out, a recording and most, most of their performances, you hear this stuff that just sounds so good. Why does it sound so good? 
Well, one thing is they're great musicians. That always helps. But if, let's say they, they were average musicians, but they employed the skills that you're not noticing of balance and listening to each other and uh, answering each other, you know, really playing together. That doesn't happen at a lot of jam sessions. And it, quite frankly, doesn't happen with a lot of bands who aren't that good. You know, it's, it's, it's not magic. It, it can be practiced and learned. And one of the ways to learn it is this exercise of actively listening. So there you are with the basic concepts of it. The next time, you know, you sit down at a jam session or a rehearsal, um, maybe think on a little more complex terms than who kicks it off, who sings the first verse, who's, who's got the first break. You know, that's the basic blueprint for the song. But you also, also have to think about what are you other guys doing while this thing is happening? And, and let me sidetrack over to something else. It's very probably as a player, the place where you're most likely to lose track of what else is going on is when you are soloing because you got a lot of pressure on you. The spotlights on you, you're playing more complex things. It's your break and it's real easy to, as your break starts internally, it's almost like the rest of the band, you've turned the volume down on everything else and the volume up on you. And if I can, let me see if I can find that mandolin break here real quick. All right, this might take a second. Hang on. Just chopping there. I want to call All right, it's coming up. I'm at So, well, let's get on up there. And I thought about the man who lay within. Where are the people that he once called friend? One car, That's a really bad mix, by the way, right there. Uh, but I'm just trying to find that where the mandolin solo starts with all the chaotic uh, stuff going on with this really bad mix. Ain't my deal of fitting in. Okay, so let me back up a few seconds. Here's what happens in a lot of people's mind, I think. They they're this is really going on. But this is what this is what they're hearing. And if you if you if your concentration turns to that while you're soloing and you know you can't hear the bass at all listen to this what i'm saying is you will play better if in your mind you're hearing this
made my point there. So as you're playing your solo, the tendency is to, to hear, concentrate on mostly what you're doing. And of course you have to do that, but you should also pair up with some other instruments. In my case, I like to pair up with the bass player if the bass player plays well. It could be the guitar player, you know, in certain circumstances. You know, I might prefer this. Okay, so you get the, you get the basic concept here. The, um, and I notice my chair is really squeaky where I'm at right now. Um, another ability to work on is we've already talked about the ability to isolate in your mind and focus on certain things and then pick out those things that you can complement each other or, you know, allows you to hook up better and play but more in rhythm. But you also... At the same time, when you're selecting those two things to really focus in on while you solo or while you play your backup, the flip side of that is you're filtering out the others. So the ability to concentrate is also the ability to filter. Because while you're playing your break, if the banjo player is, is playing some you know, busy licks and stuff, interesting busy licks it's it's very easy to be pulled aside and hear what he's doing and that could be good so that you can inter interact with him or it could just be a distraction um, the same would go for you know some loudmouth sitting at the front table talking you know just carrying on and telling you know you know what i'm talking about in i'm talking about in like bar gigs and things like that the ability to filter out the audience so that you can play can be valuable. But on the other hand, too, if you're performing for an audience, you also have to be aware of the audience. Maybe not through hearing, but visually, definitely. So this all gets really, really complex. But I want you to, especially beginners and intermediate players... I want you to realize that there is a lot more to making good music. Those musicians that you see on stage at a high dollar festival, it's not just that they're great musicians. It's also that they have good ears and they've developed some of these abilities that I've tried to demonstrate here for you. You know, great um, produ record producers and engineers I hear a crop duster going over. Uh, the cotton's starting to grow down here, so the crop dusters are flying around here. They sound like World War II fighters. I guess they're very similar airplanes. Anyway, I don't know if you heard that. And I completely lost my train of thought. But I think where I was going was the other thing you don't want to lose sight of in this thing of as you build your your listening powers to be able to pull out things and isolate things and hear pairs of things and, and hear threes. One, one of the things I, I like to do when I'm setting up a mix, you know, we've got all the tracks of the individual things, everything's all laid down and I, now I'm going to start playing it back and try to balance it out. 
I always do it in this basic order. I'll get the bass going and the man one. And then, well, let me back up so that break doesn't come in so soon. So I get those two where I want them. Here it comes. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. So I try to get a balance there, and then I'll bring the guitar in. And I don't want him too loud, and I don't want him too soft. Once I've got something like that, then I can bring in whatever the spotlighted thing is above that little bed. So to you bass players, mandolin players, and guitar players, if the three of you can balance um, based upon certain strengths and weaknesses, if your guitar player has better timing, it's probably wiser to have that guitar player be more, you know, more volume and a lesser bass player, possibly less. But work on that balance of that underlying bed of rhythm. And then, of course, when the mandolin player takes his break, the banjo player has to come in and occupy that spot that was held by the mandolin player. And fiddle players is kind of a whole nother ball game, but similar things are going on in there. One of the things that I've noticed in a lot of jams is that sometimes there's just way, way too much of that offbeat chop. Uh, maybe the mandolin player is chopping offbeats and the banjo player decides he's also going to chop offbeats and the fiddle player starts doing that little chick, 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 chick. And we've got three people all chopping the offbeat and maybe the bass player for whatever reason is just playing very softly maybe he doesn't know the tune that well and he's timid and it becomes it's like whoa you know this is not balanced so you can't begin to improve these things until you notice them and attempt to make improvements i mean you have to be aware of what to improve first so I'm just hoping that this kind of um, disjointed episode helps you in that direction. The other thing, the last thing that I'm going to say in this episode is going back to that, that first listen through the track where you put on the great album or you're sitting in the audience watching the great band. You also, aside from all this individual focusing you also have to be able to see the forest for the trees you have to be able to sense the whole and maybe in the studio the engineer is the guy who's really good at focusing on all of the individual things and the in, and the interactions and all that and maybe the record producer sitting out there smoking a cigar maybe he's the guy that has a better ability to listen to the whole thing and go you know what I don't like that. I'm not sure why. It just doesn't do it for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so being able to sense the whole is also important. Most of us probably get that easier because it doesn't require as much work. This whole thing is taken in and you react to it. That's actually easier. But don't forget about that. You could 
pre-plan and work on all this little individual stuff. Like I, I take pains with the balance in the trio harmonies, lead, baritone, tenor, and some certain notes as you record the, the original track might be hotter in places than others. And you're striving for that balance so that during the trio, nothing sticks out, but nothing is left out. So that sort of focus kind of on the engineering mixing side makes it sound like a block, like a, like a whole unit, but you still have to step back at the end of it and go, yeah, that was perfectly balanced, perfectly in tune, perfect this, perfect that, but I don't really like that song or it's too slow or, you know, or something. So, you know, step back periodically and just re-examine the whole. Also, that's part of listing. Anyway, hope you had fun with this little um, gallop through listening. And forgive me for those missteps in queuing up the, the old tape and stuff. I'm glad I still have this stuff. I used to pull these out at lessons every now and then with a, with a student and say, you know, listen to this. I mean, I play the whole song, you know, just play the CD for them. I go, now let's, let's, let's listen. So I'd let them play with the faders, come over here and, you know, you turn up, you, let me hear you turn up the bass and the mantle and get those at the volume levels that you think sounds good and then get him to bring the guitar in and, you know, get him to build a mix of that basic chugging bluegrass rhythm because practicing doing it, that person is a lot more likely to do it in the real world live without the benefit of you know, recording, multi-channel recording mixers and computers and PA systems. Anyway, I hope you had fun with this. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Once again, as I say all the time, go over to iTunes and rate and review the show. I appreciate those five stars. And if you like what I'm doing, there is that little supporter pack which you'll find a a link to on every page of my podcast site, grasstalkradio.com. And don't forget, those of you who listen on your iPhones and things like that, to pop over and visit the show notes. A lot of times I put a lot more stuff, you know, additional things to help reinforce the ideas of that current episode I'll You know, I'll post YouTube videos or audio tracks or links to a book. And it's not always my book. I I, I do want to sell some product, but, you know, sometimes I think somebody else's thing is the perfect answer. So I try to be honest with you and and just point you to things. So make use of those show notes pages. You know, I get a lot more uh, downloads on the podcast than I get visitors to the show notes. So if that's you, you're missing some additional resources. And the perfect time to do it is either maybe, maybe while you're listening but right after when you after you've listened to an episode that's the time while all that stuff i was talking about is still rattling around in your head then go over there and look and there'll be some other things that'll help reinforce some of those ideas anyway thanks for listening and i'll talk to you in the next episode